CFA, your study is a complete racket. Total your racket. Your data is coming from sources. Third party sources. On the internet that are not MLS validated. This is Byron Lazine and Nicole White, and you are tuned into episode 280 of The Real Word. Welcome back to the pod. Word is up. Whoa. Hello. Whoa, word is up. Jeepers, creepers. You take a week off, you don't know what you're doing anymore. I, no, you don't know what you're doing. You ran right into it. You meaning I. You. Yeah, me. You, you. I don't know what I'm doing. So we had a week off for the 4th of July, and we're back. It's good to be back on the pod. We've got a juicy topic here today. Multiple. Don't typically, There's a few juicy topics. Yeah, typically this time of year, you don't get this juicy of a topic, but the Consumer Federation of America came out with a study, a surfeit of real estate agents. Had to look up the word, I will admit. We Googled it. Surfet. And then we had to have Google actually speak it for us because you wanted to call it surfeit. I, I thought it was like a buffet because it's an excessive amount of something. Excessive amount. So it what is in, like a buffet. So in surfeit? No, I don't. Like buffet? Clearly not. All right, a surfeit of real estate industry and consumer impacts. Mm -hmm. Stephen Brobeck, a senior fellow for the Consumer Federation. Wait, they called him a fellow? Yeah, this is title, senior fellow. Huh, I think I want to put that on my business card. This released in June 2023. For uh, years, many researchers and industry members have suggested there are too many licensed real estate agents selling residential properties. As one put it, almost nowhere in North America Will I be contradicted by this statement where there is a decent population, there are too many agents? Industry experts have noted that this surfeit of agents. They really use it. I think it could become a drinking game. It's throughout the whole study. Every time you read it, you have to have like a like a shot or so, something. I know. They're really taking like an opinion, uh, you know, a surfeit of agents, an excessive amount. Yeah. And they're almost stating it to be the truth. Right. Well, and so professionally too, like with a big word, they must right. have, they must have synonymed at that. They're like, this is just, this is we the way it is. We gotta use the word. Creates economic inefficiencies, deprives full-time agents of needed income, yep. frustrates both consumers and experienced agents who must deal with inexperienced agents, mm -hmm. forces agents to spend inordinate time and mm -hmm. money acquiring new customers, yep. reinforces relatively high and uniform commission rates, oh boy, and damages the reputation of the industry. Now, Inman also covered this piece. We'll give credit to Inman for uh, also releasing it. And we'll give credit where credit's due. I thought they did a, a really good piece on the study. Uh, marginal agents with fewer sales. The big headline is they now claim a quarter of commissions. And we're going to get to what that means because that's not a full study. Agents with five or fewer sales a year took in an estimated 25 to 30% of all commission income in three markets. Okay. So right. this is a small sample Very size. Small. And when you hear the year yep. that this sample size was taken in, it makes sense. It puts it all into context where it's like, ah, okay. Is this really a trend or a blip on the radar? Right. All right, that, that's more the direction that I'm leading. But it is still very interesting to sort of chew, chew on. Very interesting. Yeah. All right, so this is uh, according to this study. Now, I, I want to get into the meat of the study. It's, it's 
really lengthy. Very so lengthy. We'll link up the study and the Inman piece. So if you don't pay to be an Inman, you can. can yeah, we just link do, up the. Let's no, link, we're gonna link up the study. Yeah, link be, up the study because the study gives you everything. Everything. Inman gives you a piece, but I thought the Inman comments. You typically on an Inman article, you see no comments. This one has a lot of comments. Well, because agents have a lot of opinions on agents. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. So CFA's report noted that more than 1.5 million residential agents compete to sell five to six million homes uh, annually nationwide. Okay. So didn't have to do a study to figure that out. NARS already figured it out. Mm -hmm. The study also looked at homes in three largely middle-class cities. So this is, these are the three cities, Jacksonville, Florida, okay. Minneapolis, Minnesota, mm -hmm. and Albuquerque, New Mexico. They found that agents with five or fewer sales a year took in an estimated 25 to 30 percent of commission income in those markets. Uh, and they're calling these marginal agents, Nicole. Mm -hmm. So just like a fellow. If you're an agent we're with really five or fewer sales this year, you're marginal. We're not saying that, no. by the way. Are we saying that? No, hell Are no. you saying that? No, we're, we're calling them part-time agents. All right. So, yeah. so uh, do you consider yourself marginal? marginal? Do you consider, I've talked, I've spoken to a lot of part-time agents, Nicole. Remember, I, I took a little turn on the way I look at this. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm still not... Sold. I've already covered this on the real world, so I don't yeah. want to rehash my don't feeling rehash. on, on part-time agents. But but, um, I, but I, feel, I feel like for you, as long as they're... Knowledge, availability, professionalism, right. getting back to clients on a time... I don't care if you do five deals a year. If you're able to execute on those things, right. and basically your knowledge and the the timeliness in which you connect and the value that you're bringing to the experience, right. then you're not marginal, you're exceptional right. if you can do those well, things. Well, because let's be honest, I mean, some of these marginal agents are better than those that consider that's right. themselves full-time. And that's where, when you look at it, and that's where a lot of part-time agents got me to think differently. Like, hey man, I'm a professional. I just happen to make $350,000 consulting four hours a week for this IT firm right. a year. I make $350,000 a year. I consult four hours a week, six hours a week for an IT firm. This is what I do. And then I provide this exceptional level of service in my luxury market and I sell 10 homes a year. Does that mean I'm marginal? Like super professional, super knowledgeable right. about the market, does investments on on their own. Like when you get faced with a situation like that. Have you, you met, have you ran into that guy? Where I is have. he? He's not on our team. Not He's not in Connecticut. But um, <laughs> anyways. We need more of those marginal workers. You could consider that an outlier <laughs> or the more you talk to people, the more you start to say, wow, some of these. Uh, okay, anyways, that's yeah. not what we're talking about no. here. All right. Um, industry experts have noted that this surfeit of agents creates again. economic inefficiencies to prize these full-time agents and, and all the other stuff that we covered at the, the start of the report here. So I'm, I'm just going through um, some of the Inman stuff. All right. So here's uh, what the study looked at and what share of homes, sales, marginal agents sold by price range and found uh, that they were as likely or nearly as likely to sell high-priced homes as fewer price homes. So let's look at Minneapolis. Let's put this um, screenshot up for those mm -hmm. that are viewing, okay? 
Minneapolis, 150,000 or less, 33% of sales. 150 to 250, 27.5% of sales. 250 to 350, 27.5% of sales. 350 to 450, 25% uh, of sales. And then 450 and higher, 28% of sales. It actually went up. So I guess my question here is... That's just Minneapolis. I didn't read the article in its entirety. Is it, so it's saying that these individuals that are doing five deals or less are doing 25% of the deals. But does it tell you how many agents within that city are these marginal workers? Like, are they 75% of the real estate population? In Minneapolis, CFA was able to identify 956 of the 1,000 sides and 267 of the sides, 27% were represented by agents with five or fewer deals. Now, they, they took a consecutive 1,000 sides. So this is... There's a couple things I have with this. But we're not really going over how many total agents there are in the market. We're just looking at actual deals at close. They're looking at 1,000 sides. Okay. And then they're looking at that consecutive run of 1,000 units. So so they're not even looking at in its entirety. So the study looked at at five, I'm sorry, five, yeah, 1,000 sides. So the numbers are a little Which is skewed. only 500 sales. Right. Okay, so and then when they grab this data... So we just went over Minneapolis. Hmm. When they grabbed this data, Nicole, guess what? In Minneapolis, it was early 2021. So, of course, if you're going to take a snapshot of 500 consecutive sales, 1,000 sides, in early 2021, in almost any city in America, they chose Minneapolis when an abundance of agents were coming into the market. Right. Like a wave of agents coming into the real estate well, market. Well, especially the first then, half and everything was closing. I can imagine you're going to see 25 and 30% of sales go to what they considered marginal agents, five or fewer deals. Because number they one, you just, had a whole, they've been in the business for six months. You had a whole bunch of brand new agents. <laughs> yeah. Number two, you had a time period in early 2021 when, the, when this snapshot of, of deals was taken where agents were... Um, or, or consumers rather, were going with the first agent they met. Right. And, you know, historically, something about seven out of 10, you know, uh, consumers will work with the first buyer agent that they of meet. Course. And this is where a lot of, you know, these people were going out buying homes, right? Right. But it was during, uh, you know, a health crisis and people didn't want to meet five people. Right. Well, they, they probably, some of them weren't even going to the homes. That's right. Like, let's be honest. So I have a big problem with this study. The, 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 the length of the study is so significant. It's and it's so outdated as we sit here in 2023. We know, rule of thumb, you take a, a snapshot of the of all the MLS, the major MLSs, because this has been done so many times, okay? Um, where you take a snapshot of, of the major MLSs across the country. In the last 10 years, we know, rule of thumb, that 20% of the agents do 80% of the transactions. Okay, that hasn't changed right. in, in numerous reports. This is a snapshot in time. Let's go to Jacksonville. Well, again, but they're only looking at the agents that are actually doing business. So if you were to actually look at some agents that didn't close anything, right. but they're still a licensed agent, that would obviously completely change. So that makes up probably 50%. The num Yeah, so like it really isn't then the 25% that they're right. saying. It's probably well, 15%. Well, because listen, you make a great point. A lot of agents do no business. And right. so, because um, they're going one to five deals. So basically, the rest of the deals, the other 70% during the time frame was done by the top 20% right. probably. Yeah, of course. All right. Uh, they don't go that deep. Not not that I saw yet. So in Jacksonville, uh, they identified 953 of the 1,000 sides and 324, 34% were represented by 
uh, such agents. So Jacksonville a little higher. Jacksonville, I know, um, I know the number one team in Jacksonville, DJ and Lindsay. Yes. And I know that you do have a lot of new agents. It's a very, you know, they they call Jacksonville a what they call them a middle class city. It's a big area. They call it a, middle class. Yeah. It's a big. And My grandparents retired down there. You have different pockets of Jacksonville, sure. but, but Jacksonville is a very transit. It's it's huge. Yes. Okay. 150,000 and under 33% Jacksonville, 150 to 250, 44%, 150 to 250. Um, that might have been some some of the teams there. I don't know. Anyways, uh, I'm going to get the teams here in a second. Do you think teams have elevated this number? All right. Uh, 250 to 350, 29%. 350 to 450, 29%. 450 and higher, 33%. And then Albuquerque basically was um, 30%. Really on all the categories, except until you get to 450 and higher, it's 19.2%. So Al- Albuquerque high end, holding strong. They're not giving these marginal agents the high end. Well, but, love the but word, I mean, if you're selling word. a $2 million house, some people don't need to sell more than five in a year. <clears throat> all right, I'm going to get some reaction comments off of the Inman piece. Or yeah, I'm by you. But, but first, do you mm-hmm. think teams have elevated this number? Because teams have so many leads new agents well then, but i think what's more important there that you're saying is leads not every team gets leads so not every I, team but some of these bigger teams i, th- I think i think i think ours the, being one of them for transparency yeah, i think i think leads 100 percent. so you get an changed. agent that comes in six months pops three yeah. deals where you need because, the, you need the leads in order to get the agents right i mean we can accumulate yeah. all these agents but if we don't have leads but we're we're accumulating agents because we're accumulating leads so i think it's the leads i think it's I I, I I mean, I think it's Zillow. I think but is Zillow this number is probably... going up a little bit because on these big mega teams that have the leads, yeah. they're going to have a new agent. Right. Potentially. Of course. And the new agent might do three deals in six months off of Zillow, Zillow leads Realtor, or, or Realtor.com yeah. or Google or whatever. Yep. They do three leads, uh, three closings. Yep. And then they decide by month six. I'm out. I don't have the savings. I'm out. I'm out. Um, you know, I don't have the, the drive, the ambition to put in the time to, or to they're like, stick mm, in. Screw that. Yeah. Right. Right. And so they get out after six months. You know, we've all seen that. Easy. You've seen that in your market, I'm sure. sure. And, and then what, if that agent wasn't, my point is if that agent wasn't on a mega team, that agent would have done zero transactions in the six months. Right. Well, that's why it's really important. It would have been outside again, of the category. Well, here. and like, let's look at the, the ones that aren't doing any business then yeah. too. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff to, to chew on here. I think for the purpose of the article, obviously the survey is, is, is a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, it, it's all 2000. So Jacksonville was 2021. This is the problem. The biggest problem I have with the article. Does it say when it was published? It was just published July of 2023. So it's taken this long so for them took, to go back? I don't, I don't understand that either. So yeah. Jacksonville was, um, 2021 and Albuquerque was early Jacksonville summer 21 Albuquerque was early 2022 Mm -hmm. Uh, most agent sales data by the way came from realtor.com and was checked or supplemented with other sources including Zillow agent profiles home light and individual agent websites so you don't even have true MLS data because Zillow too remember if you were on a team you weren't even able to say that you acquired a lead or a uh, that you closed a deal so there may even just be some deals on there that they're missing listen wow CFA your study is a complete racket total your data is coming from sources third party sources on the internet that are not MLS validated sometimes that can be completely wrong your data's old. It's 2021, 2022. Your report's already outdated. It took the worst snapshot in time for this type of study. Poor job by a government agency. 
I'm not surprised. Right. Okay. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Inman, um, Corey uh, commented, we love marginal realtors. If you can close two to four sales per year, we'd love to send you our leads. I think he's, yeah, I think he generates leads. All right. Becky Colburn said, the way to fix this is for NAR. She got a lot of replies to her comment. The way to fix this for NAR is to raise the barrier of entry, increase the cost to become an agent, lengthier hours, harder tests, require an understudy program for new agents in order to receive commissions. There are ways to fix this. However, you've reduced the number of agents by making it more difficult to become a realtor. You reduce the amount of money that NAR and local boards collect. And this is an obvious debate that of many course. people have had for a long time. Uh, George says, until minimum standards are raised, Nothing will change, and the boards like the extra money to play uh, from the non-producing agent past years. By the way, NAR, um, they've had a whole bunch of internal issues. I don't know if you saw the sexual harassment thing. No. And then the, the, the person dropped the sexual harassment. The guy got a promotion where the accusations were against, hmm. and you know they did an internal study on this whole sexual harassment. Oh, it was thing. probably from four years ago too. And and I was like, wait a minute, my dues are going to this internal study for sexual harassment. What the heck is going on? But these marginal right. agents, I guess, are, are paying <laughs> paying the the Good thing fee. We have them. Uh, in past years, there have been four thousand or five thousand agents that didn't lose one transaction, didn't do one transaction for the year, right. but they continue to pay the low fees in association and yada yada yada. Um, NAR did not respond to requests for a comment, uh, according to one commenter. Um, so John says, several comments below. I've been arguing for a very long time. The precious dues that NAR, the state associations, local MLS collect are too low. I'm a broker owner and don't do a lot of sales personally, try not to compete with my agents. Uh, my top producers would gladly pay a lot more in dues to get rid of the bottom feeders. Listen, we just had a new tax on us in the state of Connecticut with Department of Consumer Protection made a new law against states. And... And so now you have to pay this, and then every agent you onboard, offboard, you got to send them another check. So it's just multiple checks going to the state. Right. Um, I haven't seen that deter. I don't think teen dues, growth in Connecticut. I don't think dues. No, I mean obviously at, there gets to a point where agents no longer want to pay, but I think that's also because they've already been in the business and they're not seeing maybe like a return on their investment, but. I can't imagine that upping dues would do anything except just piss people off. I do agree, though, that it should be more difficult to get in. You know, I don't know if that's maybe like a two-year degree, like some sort of like associates or like... An associate's degree? I don't know. I'm just Listen, saying. Listen, I think the schooling and the education is the problem. Right. And so, so how do you inflict... Uh, more education, valuable education, not the stuff that your local boards are putting together. The stuff no, your local boards are like putting together. By the way, if you want great education, you just get into BAMX. It's how you become a better agent. There's yes. a link down below. You get into BAMX. You use the code RealWord. You get 10% off the annual. And that's how you become a better agent. That's how you get great education. But your local boards are doing, you know, more often than not a pathetic job of education. And that's how I raised the bar is really raising the education level um, not from failed real estate agents or marginal real estate agents, but from people that can be true educators that know what the heck they're doing. Brett um, was the one comment, Brett Searin, C-E-R-E-N, on the uh, Inman thread here, that I thought saw it maybe how we're seeing it. Okay. Uh, I, I don't disagree, meaning some of these comments here, but this doesn't actually entail the full picture. Right. And that's why th this government agency here did a pathetic job on the study and i think it's a it's a total nothing burger and it's a racket a nothing um, burger he he says in arizona mostly comprised of greater phoenix scottsdale market 66 mm -hmm. percent of all active licensees legally entitled to sell real estate in, in the state 
have not sold a single side in the past six, uh, 12 months, right. in the past 12 months. The past 12 months to me is more indicative of what is going to happen to marginal agents. Right. When sales drop, the cream rises to the top and you're going to see numbers that are like this, which is higher than, than typical. It's higher than typical because this is a harder than typical market. Right. Uh, and of the one of three who have, nearly 75% of them have sold one to six sides, either buyer or seller, and 90% have sold fewer than one per month. When considering the homes typically are the largest financial transactions of our clients, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so um, let's go to the-, the He spent um, some time on that comment. He did. Uh, every, paragraphs. Paragraphs on, on Inman in, in the comment section. So interesting. Consumer Federation of America uh, did have a conclusion at the bottom of the 13-page study. You should put this on threads. Um, God. Like this would be a good thread. We're going to talk about threads here in just a second. Mm -hmm. All right, I was maybe to get I will there. put it on threads. <laughs> uh, the residential real estate industry faces a significant challenge, resulting from a surfeit of sales and brokers. They use the word "sir." Listen, it's everywhere. To, it's in I, the conclusion. Just think, your tax money is going to this consumerfed.org. These people that write this crap. Your personal tax money, sure America, fat. is going to the CFA for them to use the word "surfeit." 15 times in an old two-year study that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's more than that. Okay, it's resulting from a survey of sales and uh, agents and brokers. The majority of real estate licenses are inactive or part-time with commission-related income. That by itself is not sufficient to support them financially. Uh, yet, because so many agents look for opportunities to sell properties, most full-time agents are unable to secure enough clients to provide commission-related income. Yeah, they're pretty much the, the they're blaming the marginal agents for the full time agents not making enough lack money. of yeah ability to make more money. Yes. Yeah, the good agents are gonna make some money. Uh CFA just maybe just end the CFA. Maybe that that would not be a racket. I think the CFA <laughs> probably just like the DCP in Connecticut, Department of Consumer Protection, um, this consumer Federation of America probably does nothing. It took them two years to do a study. They wasted your tax dollars and they just wasted all of our time. Let's move on. Moving on. All right. Jealous Home Research. This is on nowbam.com where we actually value your time and put out good quality information. The impact of online home value checking. Okay. So a survey, a recent survey by Mathis Digital Risk shows nearly seven out of 10, 66 respondents go online to check the value of homes Owned by friends and acquaintances. Have you ever done it? I mean, besides I just, just five did it minutes ago. Before the show to you look did. up your house. Yes. You were unhappy with the value of your before home. Before that, though. I was unhappy with the value of the home you just sold me. Yeah. I mean. So 79% of people, when they look at yes. their friend, yes. are actually bothered yes. by what they learn. Not sure why. Well. Younger generations, millennials and Gen Z, blame the government for the short supply of affordable housing. Wait, that's not even related to this. Yeah, it's all part of this this study here. Okay. More Americans are applying for home equity lines of okay. credit. He locks, but not. But but let's go to the um. Your thoughts on you you do you once in a while have a couple friends over for cocktail hours. Do you ever look up their home? Never. You're an agent, so maybe it's different. No, I mean I I will be honest though. I I'll go on MLS and I'll sort of see maybe what somebody mortgaged their house for. Or you're more interested in how much debt they got. I I am. <laughs> what a psycho. 
And then are you like 80% of people, are you bothered by what you learn? No, not at all. No. I, I don't mean, know why you'd be bothered by what somebody's house well, is worth. Well, like I was saying, I mean, I was sort of explaining to you before, like, I feel like it's people's natural state of be like jealousy is like kind of a natural state. So I, 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 I think that that's probably why, you know, or I, I think that they're potentially bothered because the value of another house is more than theirs. And they're obviously in their minds justifying the fact that it shouldn't be because of the things that their house has that that one doesn't. I mean, there's so many different pillars to that of what actually could bother an individual based on that. But again, it's all, it's all everyone comparing themselves to each other at the end of the day. I mean, but at the end, of, I mean, we've talked about these values for, gosh, as soon as Zillow came out and they were doing Zestimates, how much bullshit people love, they were. People love doing that. It created, listen, the, it, the agents that have a hard time with the Zestimate are the agents that don't understand how to use it to their advantage. It right. creates conversation. The, this, this study here just shows you how people are looking. They're saying seven out of ten are looking at others. Consumers, or eight out of 10. yeah, seven people out of ten are, are going to looking. check, and then eighty percent have an emotional reaction. They're bothered by what that they learn. Should be a thread. So, so that like information alone tells you that there is opportunity Huge. on these, um, you know, these estimates or, or you know, other um, valuation methods. Basically, these Huge. these automated value valuations. So. Uh, I was surprised just by the 80% that 80% are bothered, but that, that's really my big takeaway. Well, I'm, I'm actually surprised that people are looking at their friends' values. That I'm surprised there. Yeah. That many people. Oh, I'm not surprised about you're that. You're not? No. You're just like sitting. I'm surprised that they're bothered. I, I know that they're curious. People are always, you know, like how. Uh, well, that's their know. opinion that they're bothered. What does bothered mean? They, they need a definition they of what bothered, bothered means. Um, I'll tell you here. Uh. Uh, well, they said they blaming the government. Where, where do they get to the bothered part? Yeah, here? I mean, what's the definition of bothered? And what were the what were the options? Bothered, not bothered. Like, <laughs> I, I'm. It's that's a little loose too. But I'm really surprised at how many people are sitting around looking at their friends' estimates. Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. People want to know what what everybody's got. Uh, how'd they get that place, anyways? All right, how did uh, racket number three here? How did you feel about threads? Did you get threads? Uh, were, are you on threads? What are mm -hmm. your initial thoughts of threads? I signed up. Signed up. So you, the easiest sign up in the world. Way, very yeah. easy. Like it, like I didn't even have to do anything. It just sucked everything out of my Instagram. It was very easy. Um, honestly, the, the part that took the longest was um, people that sign up, they must do you choose to like follow all of the same people that it's you already option. follow? Because then I had to, to go in and I had to approve everybody's requests. You're, I gave up. You're allowed to, um, right? Do you have to? You have to accept like everyone that was asking. No, are you listening to me? No, you're allowed to, but you don't. You don't have to. You, I don't you have got to the what? Approve them, right? No, but they. But you, there must be an approval process. So, like, you can't bypass that. Like, on Instagram, I just let people follow me. I don't have to approve it. And on this, in this situation, I was having to approve the list of people that wanted to follow me. You probably chose private. Yeah, you chose private. Oh, okay. Because I'm like, what the f no, is all you, this? You must have clicked private. Okay. Um, 
So, so maybe it wasn't and, that easy to sign up. Maybe you, you know. No, I didn't. I, I feel like it didn't even <laughs> ask me any questions. So maybe yeah. I have to, maybe the automatic is private and then you have to make it public. But that was the only lengthy part where I was like, this is ridiculous. I can't approve all these people. I don't even know who they are. Here's my big takeaways. You hear 100 million users. Um, think about this. Instagram has 2.35 billion users. Billion. So this is less than 5%. And it was the easiest platform to transition if you're an Instagram user into so the platform. Easy. So that tells me that um, everyday social media users haven't transferred over, which is your consumer. I see a lot of industry, tech, media, um, real estate, mortgage, sales. I see a lot of those users. I don't see a lot of, you know, the 45-year-old, you know, mom in your community threading it up. Yet. Right. Yet. Or, and and or, that might, might happen. And not even just moms, just individuals that are like working kind of more like a traditional nine to five job. Yeah. J Jimmy Mackin put up a thread uh, that he said this could be huge for real. I'm paraphrasing. Um, we can put up his thread. But Jimmy Mackin, CEO of Curator, said this could be huge for real estate because of the ease of Instagram users to get into the platform. So the everyday user right. might end up here. I just haven't seen it yet. I put Jimmy's, I quoted his thread, and I put that at a 40% chance of happening. Remember, remember how crazy real estate agents got on Clubhouse? I'm not comparing this to Clubhouse. This oh, is a bigger I, deal than Clubhouse. It's so funny because I immediately thought of that. I was like, oh, my God, these agents lost days of their lives being look, in these chat rooms. Look at how few agents really and significantly actually picked up real business off of TikTok. And TikTok was bigger than Google for that one year when they were hot during, I think, 20 yeah. or 21. It was more visited than Google. And look at how few agents actually picked up real business from TikTok. Well, so Glenda if, would probably disagree with no, you. No, no, I'm saying she's one of the few. Right, yes. Okay, but I'm saying the majority of agents yes. listening to this never have gotten a single lead off of TikTok. Right. Because the majority of agents on TikTok never got a real lead. Now, agents have gotten real leads from Facebook, and they've gotten real leads from Instagram. I still get leads from Facebook. There's a great DM component to both of those platforms. Right, right now, there's no DM to thread. So is somebody really going to reach out to you on thread publicly, a public no, post right. and be like, Nicole, I guess if anything, it's just another place to see your face. But my question and, and my stance is, are consumers really using it? Now, you do see a lot of people using it who have never used Twitter because it's shocking to me. How many people think that this technology is so amazing when it's 30 percent of what Twitter is today. You're literally geeking out about regular Nintendo from when I grew up in the 90s when you could be playing PlayStation 5 right now. Oh, I like that Nintendo, is, though. That is the... But but you're geeking out no, about I'm technology that is so far behind Twitter because Twitter's been years, right. decade, right? Uh, and they've got all these advancements. They've got the DM. They've got the search ability that blows threads away. And people are just blown away by threads because they've never been on Twitter. If they went under Twitter, it'd be like a whole other world for yeah. them, I guess. Well, I think like you're saying, though, I think the transition from Instagram to threads was so easy that it it, it doesn't... It it's didn't... a huge dopamine hit yeah. because you're picking up followers instantly on threads. Um, it's the easiest app ever to pick up followers early on right. that I've ever seen. 
And so that's a big dopamine hit, but that's just your Instagram user base. Right. And we'll see if they stick on the app. Again, I'm a 40% believer that Jimmy Mackin will be right, that we'll see consumers transition over. But that's less than half. Uh, you know, I think it's got a long way to go. Are you still First on? weekend in, yeah. I didn't, I used it once over Saturday and Sunday. Like it wasn't oh, was even gonna, on my mind. I was going to say, have you, or do you still, but you still, yeah, you still yeah. like Twitter. You're a huge Twitter I love Twitter. Fan. I won't leave Twitter because there's a lot better real-time news, search capabilities, DM features where I can get in touch with an actual reporter of, right. of real news and ask a question. They often reply. You, uh, Twitter to me is a better version of LinkedIn where you can meet somebody professionally. Right. It, it, to me, Twitter's a professional and real-time news app, real-time sports watching it's app. It's definitely news. We'll see if Threads turns into that. It, it seems like right now it's way more culture-based. Yeah. But the real-time value of, of Twitter has always, to me, been more significant than these other platforms, uh, the conversation. You know, the conversation flow on threads is certainly better than Instagram comments. You could, you know, certainly agree with that if you're doing any commenting. Oh, 100%. And conversing. Yeah. Uh, we'll see where it goes. We'll I think see. my advice uh, is unchanged from what I posted on threads. Agents should spend up to 30 minutes a day testing it. Certainly take the land grab right now of the easy followers in case it becomes super significant. Um, but but don't go. I, I see some agents on there. Four and put hours. yourself public so you don't have to. Put yourself, Nicole, put you yourself public. Don't do four hours a day. You're not going to. Listen, this isn't. To me, this is not early days of, of Twitter. Early threads is not early days of Twitter. Mm -hmm. Early days of Twitter, uh, which I missed out on, was significant. You sometimes lose four hours on Twitter. Because you can learn a lot on Twitter. You you you, you can fall, go down some rabbit holes, just like anywhere else, Instagram or anything else, yes, or TikTok or whatever. But all of it, TikTok. Oh my goodness, I haven't fallen down a TikTok rabbit hole in a while. Thank God. Threads, not a racket yet. Something to pay attention to. Not specifically go all in on. Can't advertise there. Can't DM there. Those would be two big reasons why uh, it's going to be hard to do business there early on. Early on, but you can land grab early on, create relationships, maybe get some referrals. Uh, Nicole, I love it. I think that's it. I think it's it. CFA, uh, hang it up. Hang it up. Hang it up. Hang it up. Surfet. Save, save, save me some a surfet of tax dollars, please. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week on The Real Word. I'll see you guys. Keep it real.